You are listening to a message from Canby Foursquare Church in Canby, Oregon. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to you. Visit canbyfoursquare.com to learn more. Well, good morning again. It's good to see you. Uh, this is the Sunday morning after Easter, and I think everybody knows that, and I love this. I want to say it again. He's risen, and that's something we can celebrate every weekend, every day, every moment, that we have the assurance of Jesus Christ and his salvation. So I want to thank you. I really do want to thank all of you here on campus, uh, online. We want to thank you for being able to join together and really celebrating what Jesus is doing for us, what he's done for us, and what he's going to continue to do. What I want to do right now is just take a moment and let those who have come to faith in the last few weeks in Jesus Christ let you know how much you are loved, how much you're loved and appreciated. It has been so encouraging to see God move in your life in the way that he has. And you really do. You refresh us, you encourage us. And we're going to just ask you, if you need any help at all in this journey knowing Jesus, please let us know. We'd be glad to... uh, Be glad to come alongside. In fact, we're encouraged by you. Uh, We want to encourage you as well. So do that. If you would, let us know if you need anything. As Mark mentioned, we have water baptism that's coming up in a couple weeks. And uh, we do appreciate everyone's patience with us. We're changing the date, as Mark said, from May 2nd to April 25th. The reason we're doing that is uh, we're dealing with a tragic death in our family. Uh, Our nephew uh, passed away a few days ago, and so we are going to go spend time uh, with our family in Coeur d'Alene, Spokane, on May 2nd. That's when they're having the memorial service. So we really do appreciate your prayers. If you can continue to pray for us and the family it would, uh, it would really be a blessing to us. So we want you to know that. We've had several people sign up, so thank you again for your patience. When we let you know what was going on, you were so gracious to Annette and I, and we really do appreciate that. I think right now we have between 15 and 20 that are signed up for water baptism, so that deserves, a, I think, an applause. So we're really, we're really thankful for that. We really are. And I think this morning's message, when we talk about water baptism, when we talk about salvation, this morning's message is really designed, the scripture's designed with new believers in mind, because this is all about the Lord's Prayer. And so if you want to, open your Bibles up with me today to Luke chapter 11. We're going to look at the Gospel of Luke chapter 11. We call this the Lord's Prayer. And the Lord's Prayer is really just a, it's a model for his disciples, and that's us. It's a model on how to pray. And so today, what we're going to do is we're going to dive into that passage. I'm just going to hang out in those first four verses today. And if you, if you notice, when we talk about the Lord's Prayer, there's another gospel that actually recites the Lord's Prayer for us. It's Matthew chapter 6. So what I'm taking the privilege of doing today is I'm kind of combining the two together. Because Luke is a shorter version, Matthew is a longer version, I'm going to take both of them and put them together so that we can actually get the full effect of what Jesus is saying and what he's doing and teaching us how to pray. So this morning we're going to talk about that just for a moment. We're going to talk about prayer. So if we're going to do that, it might be a good idea right now to stop and pray. So let's ask the Lord to bless us. Father, we pray today that you would just open our hearts, open our minds to your word. 
because we know that your word cleanses us. We know that your word is powerful and, and, and leads us through the life that we're about right now, the life that you've given us. So we want to thank you today for your great grace. In Jesus' name we pray and we say together, amen. Luke chapter 11, beginning at verse 1. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples, referring to John the Baptist, the one who was the forerunner of Jesus Christ. Teach us to pray like we saw John the Baptist teach his disciples to pray. And he said to them, when you pray, say this, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. Matthew adds on a doxology. He says, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I love that prayer. And what we're doing here is we're recognizing that Jesus is teaching his disciples, teaching us how to pray. And just so you know, this is the fifth time that Luke mentions the prayer life of Jesus. So Luke is interested in the prayer life of Jesus. And, and it's the only request the disciples have ever asked Jesus to teach them. His disciples had this desire. They had this want to get close to their Father in heaven. And they saw that through Jesus Christ. Isn't that interesting? It's always by not so much what you say, it's by what you do. So they saw Jesus constantly praying, whether he was gathered together with his disciples or whether he was slipping off and praying by himself. They knew exactly what he was doing, that he was praying, he was developing, he was growing in his relationship. It says he grew in wisdom and stature and his relationship with his Father in heaven. So here's what we see here. They have this desire, so they say, Lord, teach us. Teach us to pray. Now, we call this the Lord's Prayer, but we really probably should call it the Disciples' Prayer, because that's what this is about. The Lord's Prayer, if you're really wanting to know, I think, the true Lord's Prayer, you got to go to John chapter 17. In John chapter 17, there's this amazing prayer that Jesus has. He prays for himself. He prays for the disciples that are in his life at that moment, and then he prays for us. Those disciples that would follow Jesus in the future. It is a beautiful Lord's Prayer. And so if you want to take a little time during the course of your week, go to John chapter 17. What Jesus provides for us in this template or model is how we should pray. And that's why we should pay attention. Pay attention to the structure and the attitude of how to pray. Because this is what Jesus is talking about. He's not saying to them, hey, do this in detail. You have to say and repeat the exact same things that I repeat. But let me show you the structure. Let me show you the attitude in which you pray. Now, when you look at this prayer, you're going to notice there are two parts to the prayer. This is so important for us to know. It's first of all about God. And then secondly, it's about us. And why is this important? It's because we have a propensity to change the order. We, we usually have a propensity to change the order and pray for us first before we pray to God. So it's about us, and then it's about God. Uh, there was a study done not too long ago, uh, a study done by a polling group that talked to American Christians, and they, the question was asked, how do you pray? I mean, what is the order you pray? And they said, well, here's the order we pray, and here's the reasons we pray. Number one, we pray out of guilt, 
We just pray when we're guilty about something. Not out of love, not out of faith, not out of relationship, but primarily out of guilt. That might sound familiar to some of us. And then, secondly, emergency. It's when I'm stuck. It's when I'm, I'm going through a difficult time. It's kind of like a spare tire. You know, you don't need it until one blows up. And you're out in the dark road. You need to get someone here. What do you do? You get your spare tire. That's often how we might treat prayer and how we see prayer. See, prayer should be more than that. Prayer should be, as Jesus teaches us, it should be deep. It should be profound. It should be wonderful. It should be fun. It should be easy because it's about a relationship. So if the order we pray is out of order, then our spiritual life is out of balance. It's not healthy. This prayer shows us that the best way to pray is to start with God, start with God, amen, and then work toward us. Our prayer should begin with making him the center. It's all about God. My tendency, again, is to have the I problem. You know, I need, I want, even my prayers can sometimes be self-centered. Like anything else in life, my prayer life needs to grow. And we start like babies. And I know a lot of us, when we talk about prayer, we're uncertain. We're not sure how to do that. Let me say this. Let me, let me put you at ease just a little bit. There are two subjects that I always feel like I'm in kindergarten. One is prayer. I'm still just, Lord, I'm, I'm, I feel like a newbie when it comes to prayer. Especially when the dynamics of life are overwhelming. I just feel new at this. Uh, the other subject is, is, is leadership. I'm always feeling like I'm a newbie, uh, that I don't, I don't have a clue what's going on. And so those are the two areas I always struggle with. I always feel like, man, I, I'm just kind of beginning at all of this. But what we're talking about here is we're talking about communication. And uh, I think for our communication to be successful at any level, especially in our relationship with Jesus, we have to practice. We have to communicate. We have to talk. And so when you're communicating, when you're praying, keep in mind that it's about getting to know Jesus Christ. It's about getting to know and have a relationship with him. And as we grow, our communication will develop. So after a while, my communication may sound more like, God, I love you, instead of I need something or I want something. God, I love you. You are awesome. You are amazing. And that's really what we see in this template here. So we're talking to God, and here's what we begin with. We say, our Father in heaven. Now, I want to point out the obvious. It says our Father in heaven. It doesn't say our grandfather in heaven, uh, because those are two different roles. But oftentimes, when we look at our Father in heaven, we're hoping he treats us like a grandfather. But he is in a relationship with us, and it's designed to be a father, Uh, I know what it feels like to be a grandfather, and I know what it feels like uh, to give all my grandkids everything they want. I mean, it wasn't too long ago, my oldest granddaughter, all of us were on a a vacation together. We were in the airport. Uh, She sat next to me, likes to sit next to me when we travel, so she always reserves a seat at, at at a restaurant next to me. She always reserves a seat next to me on an airplane, and, and, and I know why, and I'm okay with it. Uh, but we ate a nice breakfast in the airport. We got on the airplane. She sat next to me. We hadn't been seated for more than 10 seconds. And what does she do? She pulls out the menu on the, uh, on the airplane, and she opens it up, and she says, Grandpa, um, um, would you order me uh, this, this, and this? And uh, I was about to say, sure, 
you know, whatever you want, baby girl, I'll give it to you. And I heard her mom over my shoulder say, Grandpa, don't you dare. Don't you dare. And I thought, wow, that's the difference right there. You know, grandpas, yeah, whatever you want. Sometimes we feel that we should still, that, that God should be our grandfather. Give us everything we want. But God's our father. And he's much more discreet than grandfathers may be. He's, he, he's, he's, he's much more focused on our development, our personal development, uh, than grandfathers may be. So just remember, we're praying to our Father in heaven. This is about constantly remembering who we're talking to and where he lives. I know that sounds simple, but it's so important. Heaven is his vantage point. He sees what we don't see. He sees what we can't see. So the things that you might be going through right now, just remember, you have a Father in heaven who has a much better vantage point, a much better perspective on what you're going through than you do. Because we can get emotionally cluttered. We can get spiritually cluttered. We can can find our way when we pray to our Father in heaven, but sometimes it's difficult because we can't see everything that's going on around us. The Bible tells us we pray to our Father in heaven. He has that vantage point. Our Father reminds us that He is our provider. In heaven speaks of His resources. Isn't that great? So when you pray to your Father who is in heaven, remember that He has access to infinite resources on your behalf. Because He can do things for you that no one else can. He can provide for you in ways that are very individualized, that you know that it's God speaking to your heart, that you know that this was God providing something just for you, whether that's a word that you might need right now, if you need to be encouraged, if you need to be refreshed in your faith, would you just wait on the Lord? Would you pray our Father in heaven, my Father in heaven? And when you're saying that, you're recognizing he has the resource to help you. He has the resource to encourage your life. We can pray boldly because we pray with perspective to the one that has eternal perspective. Our Father in heaven. And then it goes on. The prayer goes on. It says, hallowed be your name. I know that's an old-fashioned word. The word hallowed, it simply means sacred, set apart, apart from all others, lifted up, sanctified. It, It just means it's sacred. When we say the word Hollywood, there, there are times when, when we pray, it's, it's good to stop and practice praising his name, hallowing his name. That when we're in the middle of a prayer, that we wouldn't forget that it's important for me to hear myself say, Lord, I praise your name. I lift up your name. You are holy. You are righteous. Your name is above every name. Your name is high above all names in heaven and earth. That we would take time and lift up his name. Why? Because it's sacred. It's set apart. There's none like him. And then it goes on. It says, excuse me, your kingdom come. Remember that. This is about two things. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Excuse me. First is God's future kingdom. So when it says your kingdom come, he's talking about a real kingdom that is going to come in the second coming of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're waiting for now. We know about his first coming, the first advent. There is a second coming. Maranatha is what they would say in the early church. Lift up your eyes. Look, be mindful that there is a second coming. 
So God's kingdom is coming. Revelation chapter 11, verse 5, speaks of this kingdom that will come. It says, praise your name. Your name is awesome above every name. But then it goes on. It says, the kingdoms of the world have become the kingdoms of God, and he shall reign forever and ever. Amen. So he's talking about a real kingdom here. The second application is God personally reigning in your life. Does the kingdom rule? Does the kingdom father live in your life? Does he rule your life? Because now he's talking about personal domain. He's talking about not only a kingdom that is going to come real, it's going to be here, but he's talking about the kingdom of God ruling in you. Does he have authority in your life? Am I his servant in his kingdom? See, I cannot be his subject without being his servant. I think the one who knew this very well was the Apostle Paul. Uh, Each time he mentions his relationship with with Jesus, he says, I'm a bond slave of Jesus Christ. Does that sound familiar? You can look at Romans chapter 1, verse 1. He begins it by saying, I'm a bond slave of Jesus Christ. Now, this is so amazing, so important, because he keeps this in front of him. He doesn't say, I'm a servant of the Roman Empire, even though he's imprisoned by the Roman Empire. He doesn't say he's a a, a prisoner of the government or the principalities. He says, and he chooses to do this, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Try that every day. The things that come your way, the circumstances that you're facing right now, do not give the world or politics or anything else credit. Say, God, today, right now, under these circumstances, I'm a bond slave of Jesus Christ. No one else owns me. It's Jesus Christ. Matthew says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And that's where Matthew actually talks about the Lord's Prayer. Right there on the Sermon on the Mount. He speaks of it. Now, the Greek word here is one that some of you might be familiar with. The Greek word here in Romans 1.1 is the word doulos. You've heard the word doula. It's doulos. That's where we get it from. A servant who is devoted to another to the disregard, listen to this, to the disregard of one's own interests. I'm a bond slave of Jesus Christ, no one else, nothing else. It's supreme and he is supreme in my life. The prayer goes on and it says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Again, this pushes the issue of God's will over my will. This is about... His will being accomplished in me, not my will being accomplished in heaven. We can never get that turned around. We can't reverse that process. God's desire is that his will be done. Why? Uh, To lord over us, to make our lives miserable, to be legalistic. No, he does this because the happiest and most satisfied life that we could ever live is living committed to the will of God. Submitted to the will of God. You want a happy life? You're looking for a happy life? We are. We're pursuing that. We want happiness. The way that we find true happiness is by doing the will of God every day. What is the next right thing? What is the thing that God wants me to do? That's, that, is, that is the will, the purpose of God. It's so that I would be happy. Now, the prayer progresses and it moves from being about God now to being about us. Notice the shift. Notice what happens here, because the next phrase says, give us this day our daily bread. Excuse me, this to me 
has such significance in that it reminds me of a few things. So this has been put into this prayer so that I'm reminded that I should never outgrow my dependence, first of all, on God. I should never outgrow that. That today, Lord, I need your provision. The word bread was just a, a, it still is, a universal symbol of provision. If you've ever wondered why bread is used, it's because everywhere you go, every nation, every culture always has something baseline in their food system called bread, pan. And, and all of us have it. And we all make it from a few different things. So what Jesus is doing is he's referring to something they know very well. What, what they hear Jesus saying is, God in heaven, the Father in heaven, whose will I do, I, I ask you to give us this day our daily bread reminds me that I'm dependent on his provision every single day. Abraham said it, Jehovah Jireh, God provides. That, that's really, God brings my substance. God blesses me. And then the other thing is, I daily acknowledge that the resources that I have are given to me by God. That there's, a, there's, a, there's an appreciation, there's a thankfulness, uh, that I live with a heart of gratitude. That's what this prayer reminds me. I need to live with gratitude. That what I have, um, I, I don't deserve. What I've been given, I, I'm not self-made. I didn't go out and do this all my own. If you ever fall into that trap thinking that you are self-made, God will find a time to break that down. He will find a place. He will give you circumstances that let you know that you're not in charge and he is. He will. That's just how much he loves us. Uh, Annette is posting every day, and she has dedicated this year to 365 days of thankfulness. So if you're following, that's pretty cool. Uh, yesterday was our 100th day of the year. We only have 265 more. Is that? It's 100. It was yesterday. Today? Today's 100. Hey, you learn something new every day in church, don't you? So this is the 100th day of the year. And so what every day I can do, what I can do every day is say, Lord, I am so thankful for your provision in my life. You have blessed me. That God promises to take care of my needs. God promises to take care of my needs. Not my greed, but my need. And and that's what I want to be sensitive to as I continue to pray, as I find my way in my journey with Jesus. Lord, am I praying my greed or am I praying my need? Because sometimes we can get those confused. And then the next thing is this. Forgive us our sins, our debts. As we forgive those who have sinned against us or we have debt on. We, we, they owe us something. Jesus, what he does here, make sure you see this. Jesus intertwines vertical forgiveness with horizontal forgiveness. He says these have to work fluidly. Now, why is that important? Because when I'm forgiven by God in heaven, I'm so, I'm so grateful for that. Here's the problem. I, I damn up that forgiveness by not forgiving others. Uh, I don't take what's been given me and give it liberally. Uh, it, it's a place that it can stop, and that's not what this is intended to do. Disciples are supposed to be administrators of forgiveness. So if you've been forgiven, don't hold on to it. Forgive others. It's amazing how we think what we get, we don't have to give. Isn't that, isn't that true? What, what, what Jesus is saying here is you've been given 
forgiveness. That is amazing. That I've been forgiven. That the weight of sin has been lifted off my spiritual shoulders. The word used here, and I think it's specifically used as an interesting word for debt, it's paratonoma. And here's what it means. It just means a variation from truth. God's will be done. It means just a variation of God's will in your life. That you're taking another path. A variation. How many know that variations can be catastrophic? Because the further you get down the road, the further you get away from what is real and true, and that is God's will in my life. So I'm going to say, Lord, I'm, I'm thanking you for giving me of my debt. Let me be one who forgives others of their debt as well. I love what Ephesians 4.32 says. It says, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ has forgiven you. Do you see the transaction there? Do you see the flow of forgiveness and grace that moves in this relationship we have with Jesus Christ and that we need to have flow in our relationship with others? And then you move on in the prayer. It says, And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We'll get hung up here a little bit until we know what the word temptation really means here. This does not mean that God will tempt us to do evil. That's not what this is saying. Rather, he allows us to be tested according to our faithfulness. Because what's more precious than gold? What does James say? It's the trying of your faith. It's not your faith, by the way. It's the trying of your faith. That's what Jesus is saying here. Let the testing of your faith, let let God test you. Be open to those tests. Why? Because he's growing you. He's trying you. And that trying process and the result of that is like precious stones. It's like precious metal. It's a beautiful thing. That's what, what Jesus is saying here. That's what the word tempt really means. It means tested. And that the God of our heaven, the Father of, 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 of our life that oversees us, that His Spirit gives us the strength to overcome. That's what He's saying here. He's saying you need the infilling, the strength of God's Holy Spirit in your life to overcome, to make it through every single day. I say amen to that. I need God's strength every day. Then we go to this next phrase, and I love it. To yours be the kingdom and the power forever and ever. Now, we don't see it here in the Gospel of Luke. We see it in the Gospel of Matthew. doesn't mean that it is wrong. It just means that probably the Lord's Prayer was mentioned in a couple places. One, it's uh, added on here. It's a doxology. Uh, Some say that the early church fathers actually made this into a song. And so this was an appropriate way. They would sing the Lord's Prayer Uh, And and they added a doxology to it, and that's what this is. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. This is actually from Matthew chapter 6, verses 13 and 14, if you want to compare notes there. And it completes the Lord's Prayer like it started, giving God glory. So it's bookend with giving God glory, giving God glory, and then all the stuff that goes on in between. This is is a, a, a moment when you're here in this prayer to say... you. Yours is the kingdom. God, yours is the power. Yours is the glory forever and ever and ever. 
It's not about the political institutions we're in right now. It's not about our culture and society when it comes to power and glory. It's about God's kingdom. And that we would be reminded of that. And, 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 and Jesus knew that we, we, could, we could slip around on different things. That we, we could get caught up in different tangents. We could think salvation's coming from other different places. And Jesus says, no, this is all about my kingdom. It's about my kingdom, my power, and my glory forever and ever. Now I want you to look at the whole. I'm going to finish with this. I love this. <clears throat> because when you look at the whole of this prayer, <clears throat> these four verses, you, you see the Trinity. I, I love this. I don't know if anyone's ever showed this to you before, but when I was reading this, I took a, a step back and I thought, wow, this is a beautiful overview. This is about the Trinity. The Father, creator of heaven and earth, who provides our bread. Jesus Christ, the Son, his sacrifice secures our forgiveness. And the Holy Spirit, whose indwelling power assures us of safety and victory every single day of our life. So you see this magnificent thread of the Trinity in the Lord's Prayer. Isn't that beautiful? I want you to stand with me just for a moment, if you would. And I want to do this, I want to do this with you. We're going to all uh, recite the Lord's Prayer together. My AANA brothers and sisters, you know what we do. We do this at the end of every meeting, and we want to do it today. Would you follow me? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Can you say amen? Amen. 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 You know, I heard, I heard different renditions. I could tell where the King James was working over here and <laughs> NIV's working over here and the RSV's working back over here. It's the same prayer. It's the Lord's Prayer, which is really the disciples' prayer. That's our prayer. And so as we move through the days ahead of us, would you just remember that you are taken care of? I want you to do this. Would you bow your heads with me? And today, I want to just invite those that have never invited Jesus into their lives that you could do that right now, this very moment. And this, uh, this prayer that we've just talked about can be yours personally, not just something you hear from afar not something you hear recited by others, but something that you say and you know it's yours because you know the one who taught us is the one that can live in us. And so today, if you're here, if you're online, if you're in the patio, if you want to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, right where you are, heads bowed, eyes closed, would you just lift your hand so I can see where you're at? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. What I want to do is just have you... Uh, make that step. It's a, it's a declaration. It's a confession that I, that I need the Lord. And so we want to make sure that everyone has that opportunity, uh, whether you're here online. If you're online and, uh, and you're in that place right now of coming to faith in Jesus Christ, just let us know. Uh, give us a thumbs up, and we will be more than happy to continue to pray with you. Online, we've also attached a, <clears throat> a little packet 
that'll help you know about the decisions you're making. It's our salvation packet. And so you can go and hit the little link there and uh, you can learn more about following, knowing and following Jesus Christ. Father, we want to thank you today for your grace and your mercy and uh, your willingness to just do something so simple but incredibly powerful, and that is how to pray. This was the desire of your disciples. This is our desire today of your disciples, that we can draw closer to our Father in heaven. We just thank you for the days before us. You rule and you reign. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all say together, Amen. Thank you for listening. Please let us know if you have questions or would like us to pray with you. You can contact the church office most weekdays at 503-266-4444 and anytime through canbefoursquare.com.